Before we get to today's episode, I want to share a quick message from our sponsor, Content Square. How do you create digital experiences that keep visitors engaged all the way to conversion? By analyzing every click, tap, scroll, and swipe, and turning these insights into profitable actions. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. Trusted by leading fashion and luxury retailers worldwide, they have helped hundreds of teams accelerate their reactivity and boost ROI with smart, instant UX insights. Learn more at contentsquare.com. Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today we have two guests, Sarah Lee and Christine Chang, the co-founders and co-CEOs of K-Beauty Company, Glow Recipe. In this episode, Sarah and Christine discuss creating their own line of products, the upcoming move to international distribution, and hosting a product launch party in a mattress store. Hope you enjoy the episode. So today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Sarah Lee and Christine Chang, the co-founders of Glow Recipe. Welcome, Sarah and Christine. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. So guys, tell us, when you first started Glow Recipe in 2014, what did you think you were bringing to the market? So we love telling this story. Everything came from sheet masks and wine. We like to say that was the inception. (laughs) We were at the time both working at L'Oreal. We had worked there for almost a decade at the time. And we actually had met um, a decade earlier at L'Oreal in Korea. I was an intern just joining the company. Sarah had been there for six months. And we struck up a rapport and a friendship and have been really close friends ever since. And somehow our lives carried this parallel where we moved over to New York at the same time. Sarah continued working at L'Oreal in the U.S. I did a quick detour at school for a master's program, but came back and we were both at L'Oreal sharing kind of our, how was your work day? What did you work on today? What were the challenges? And just really enjoying that discussion. Um, And one of the discussions we kept going back to was the fact that we were both working on Asia-centric developments. I was working on sheet masks and essences at the time. Sarah was working on a development that was inspired by hair sheet masks. And we realized that not only L'Oreal, but all global beauty companies were looking to Korea for the latest innovations. It was just such a mecca of the most advanced skincare you could imagine. And we realized that that really wasn't being translated the right way in the U.S. So what if we stepped in there and put our stamp on it and bring it over in our way? And that was the start. But going back to sheet masks and wine, we were sheet masking in Sarah's studio apartment over a glass of wine when we had that aha moment. What do you think that was happening at the time? Why do you think that people were so obsessed or infatuated with Korean beauty and Asian beauty? And what did you think that you could bring that was more distilled or better to the market? I love getting this question, actually. Um, I think four or five years ago, K-Beauty was on the cusp of just about to explode. It was this new category that people were exploring. And I think the power of social media really led for people to get excited about sharing their skincare journey. And I think that's a key tool to why K-Beauty became really huge. 
I think that combined with affordable pricing and fun packaging and the sensorial textures and the fact that a lot of influencers are just in love with it. Anyone that was beauty savvy was on top of the K-beauty trend at the time. So I think all of those really made K-beauty interesting and different. I think the innovation was there. We were fascinated by how fast each innovation churned out in Korea. So whenever we went back to Seoul, we could see new trends, new items, new product innovations coming out, even though we were going back every two, three months. So there were many, many different factors to it. I think what we brought to the table is the fact that we were able to translate and interpret what made K-Beauty so special into how we could understand it and how that could be resonated in this U.S. market and furthermore global market. And I think there was a huge difference between the Korean market and the U.S. consumer that wasn't really leveraged in the past in terms of bridging the gap. So we came in wanting to kind of translate it in the way people could understand it the best. So we spoke about quality. We so we spoke about how the benefits are so actually spot on. You know, it's beyond the texture and the sensoriality. It actually works for your skin because it does X, Y, Z. So we really kind of honed in on those points that people in the U.S. and you know, the Western markets really are um, actually prioritizing when it comes to skincare. Sarah, Christine, to go back a little bit, you worked at L'Oreal for quite a long time, but were you consumers of beauty? Were you junkies in your own right? Like, what made you think that this was the next best thing? I mean, we were both crazy beauty junkies. We would literally <laughs> text each other at night being like, have you seen this? Did you see this? Did you see this YouTube video? Like, it was a constant dialogue. Anytime one of us went back to Korea, we would get things for each other. It was just a fascination. And that was from the very start of our careers. I think, Sarah, you told me you used to have a salon in college. Yeah, I hosted Sarah's salon. It's really cheesy, but I, it was like my, my obsession to share like tips and tricks that I learned from my mom or what I read from blogs to my college friends. So back when I was in college in Korea, I had like these days where I invited all my friends to my apartment and we just partied over like a spa moment. So we would hair sheet mask, we put hair treatments, blow dry it so that there was like heat on everyone's hair. And of course, face mask was a must. Um, we would share like everybody would bring their favorite mask at the time and just share what's the latest and greatest. Sounds like you were way, way ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, when you first started Glow, Glow Recipe, what were those initial brands that you really felt were going to be the purveyors of bringing this category and trend to the market? So when we started, um, we kind of took a step back and, you know, we wanted to make sure that we're cutting through the clutter and making sure that we're ahead of the game in terms of trends and what's coming in this market. And we identified natural Korean skincare as sort of the the category to really focus on. And so, and we looked at the Korean market and there were a lot of beautiful natural brands that spoke to hero glorified ingredients that some of the brands have never touched upon. So that was our sort of niche angle. But we also knew that natural skincare was growing. That was pretty much the only category at that time. And I think still now it was growing at the fastest rate. Um, so we knew it was going to be the next big thing. So we kind of if you think about two Venn diagrams. You know, there's a Korean beauty 
um, circle, and then there's natural skincare. So we kind of combined the two, and we were kind of sitting in between those two um, gra- uh, diagrams. So what we were able to do was um, we went to some of the beauty stores of Korea, but also we didn't want to find only the brands that were um, mass facing. So we looked at you know online. We talked to the insiders of Korea, using you know leveraging our network and all of our friends in the beauty industry. Um, and we identified some of the indie brands that were very much um, in line with the philosophy that we have, you know, to only innovate with the best quality ingredient lists. Um, so one example is Huamisa, which is a brand that was, you know, our partner brand from the very beginning. Um, Lee Jiham is a Durham Clinic brand that also harnesses the power of very special ingredients like tea tree and propolis. Um, and those are the brands that we kind of partnered with. I think we had cold called and emailed over 30 brands when we first started this journey. And um, we actually came back from Korea with nine contracts in our hands, which is really amazing. That is amazing. How many brands do you guys sell now? So over 30. Over 30. Um, You continue to sell third-party products on glowrecipe.com, but you also launched your own private label line of products about two years ago. What did you think was the space that that you yourselves could tap in directly? Yeah, so we were seeing so much innovation and technology once again coming from Korea. And every time we go back, and we would go back between six to seven times a year, so a lot, we would still be blown away every single time by the newness, innovation that was coming out in the market. And a lot of our brands, of course, were really at the forefront of that, these really beautiful natural formulations, to Sarah's point, and really innovative packaging or textures or sensoriality. But we still felt there was room with some of the natural technologies that we were seeing to bring them over in a way and really translate that and really create that whole experience for the U.S. woman. Um, I think that K-beauty as a whole has been perceived in a way where it can be a little bit overwhelming. When we go to Sephora stores, for example, we were hearing from the cast members there that K-Beauty is amazing. I love the whole experience, but I can't tell my clients to use these 15, 20 steps when I'm not doing it myself. But in a way, that's a myth that was perpetuated by marketing claims at the time. Women in Korea are not actually counting the number of steps they're using. They're not getting an achievement or a medal every time they hit 20 steps. It's really more about that dialogue with the skin. And so we knew that there were a lot of hard-hitting, hybrid, multitasking formulas that delivered more with just one product. And we felt that that could really speak to U.S. women. Um, Results-driven, practical, but still sensorial and enjoyable. Additionally, there was an ingredient that was very special to us that we wanted to harness, which was watermelon. So watermelon, our grandmothers used to use the watermelon rind on our backs in the hot summer months as a soothing ingredient. So she would... Both Sarah and my grandmothers, they would chop up this watermelon rind with a hint of flesh on it and just rub it on the skin, almost like an ice cube. And it had these amazing soothing properties. So you'd wake up the next day and your rash would be gone. Um, So harnessing this ingredient, but in a beautiful, lightweight texture, something that mimicked the K-Beauty facial experience, bringing both hydration yet exfoliation in with a gentle acid and kind of combining all of this for that ultimate experience was our OG product, which is the Watermelon Glow Sleeping Mask. Um, And I think with that, what we were able to infuse into that product was not only over a year of seeing practically every formulation under the sun to make sure that it was really differentiated and really stood out. 
undelivered results, but just thinking through that overall 360 experience of how a woman approaches skincare, how it looks on her shelfie, how it feels when she's holding the jar in her hand, how it feels when she's spreading the goop on her skin. So that whole experience was something that we really refined over time. And when we launched, we were very, very happy with the product we brought to market. With the Watermelon Glow Sleeping Mask, um, that's been a huge bestseller for you guys. If I remember correctly, it sold out seven times at Sephora and had an 8,000-person waiting list. Is that correct? Yes. How much about that product was not only you know the efficacy, but also the simplicity and the packaging that you kind of speak about and the education? So I think we kind of addressed um, the, the dream that all women had women and men had in terms of wanting that fun sensorial experience for the 10 seconds, 20 seconds that they spend, you know, behind their medicine cabinet, but also waking up to glowing skin, even without having to work so hard for it. So we knew that, you know, we were all busy or sometimes lazy. Everyone wants that result still regardless. And we could really relate to it as two entrepreneurs running around um, with sleepless nights. And we always kind of dreamt of, you know, waking up to better skin and always looking like we did have a full eight hours sleep. And I think everybody could relate to that. So I think we spoke to it in a way that was, to your point, very simple, understandable, but at the same time, fun and something that's exciting to even look at. And I think the sensorial texture was also very new. I think the, the, the unprecedented sort of texture experience was something that was a little bit of a surprise and delight for the customers that first tried it. And then um, because it sold out, it kind of became this organic sort of element of, oh, I want to be the first to preview this and review it on Instagram or YouTube. So without us having to pay in influencers, everybody jumped to actually want to review it first because those posts, those specific content with the review of the Glow Watermelon Sleeping Mask got the most engagement. For some from some people that we saw are like very micro-influencers with like a thousand followers, we could see like, f- like 5,000 likes of those posts. I mean, it just really stood out for everyone's content. So it became viral in a very unplanned, organic way, but I think it was the special factors that I mentioned with the simplicity of packaging and um, communication that really worked. We'll be right back. Want to know the ROI of that new product banner on your homepage? Looking to find out why a recently launched social campaign is not generating the expected revenue? And wouldn't it be great if you could show creative branding and even executive teams the impact of a new product video or seasonal campaign in just one click? You can. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. They compute billions of touch and mouse movements and provide brands with everything they need to create memorable, converting digital experiences. Find out more at contentsquare.com. Sarah and Christine, go back a little bit. When you um, launched this product and you know have a slew of products in your own private label collection, you launched specifically with Sephora and exclusively with Sephora versus just selling on your own site. What was that about? Why did you think they were the right partner? What did they offer from a consumer perspective and from a reach perspective? So our partnership with Sephora goes way back, actually. We partnered with them on their first K-Beauty animation. 
um, on certain marketing concepts like splash masks um, or press serums and little concepts that some of our brands brought over to the U.S. market for the first time. And I think that there was this amazing relationship and foundation of trust there when we eventually launched our namesake brand. We wanted to partner with them and knew that they would be amazing kind of partners in crime to help really story tell what we wanted to bring to the U.S. market with Glow Recipe Skincare. We do have other retailer partnerships, and they're all amazing as well, but it all ladders up to ultimately our goal of being that go-to kind of destination for modern, fun, skin-tertaining, we call, skincare, the new skincare experience. And Yes, it's K-Beauty inspired and the technologies are from K-Beauty, but it's also about that approach to skincare as well. And we want to make sure that we're able to deliver that that amazing experience and the amazing products to different customers at all different price points. So we partner with the leading retailers in each channel, whether that's QVC or whether that's Target, to bring very specific, not overlapping, but specific and different curated products to each channel. When you talk about you know what you see the next phases in terms of growth with retailers, I know that international has been on your brain and on your mind. What can you guys tell us there? So what's really interesting about Glow Recipe's business model is that we have this very cool flywheel system where we have the vertical of glowrecipe.com, we have curated brands and private label brands, and then we partner with different retailers. So we have sort of this multi-channel approach. So a customer's journey is actually very robust when they learn about Glow Recipe. And um, what's really cool about having our own site with different products, with the content that we provide, is that we have data and we're able to collect data of the customer and what her journey looks like and where she's from. And we learned that we have a huge percentage of international clients, actually, that love Glow The K-Beauty market has expanded beyond the U.S. and beyond Korea. How do these international partnerships help you expand that reach and expand this category as a whole? So I think it's a really good point. The U.S. has come a really long way in terms of its K-Beauty journey, if you will. Um, our Shark Tank episode was actually all the way back in 2015. And I remember <laughs> when we had that explosion and reached all this huge national audience, the questions just poured in. There was so much curiosity about how do you do a routine? What is K-Beauty? How do I incorporate K-Beauty into my routine? Mm-hmm. And I think over the years, we really found a way with our content and our social platforms to incorporate that educational experience because K-Beauty is very much about education as well because it's about skincare. And we hope to bring that same sense of content and education and really great tutorials and tips and trends to our international markets. Um, And the great thing is that our social platform is very global. We have a lot of engagement from our international customers, so they've already been kind of part of this journey. So as we expand globally, we'll be able to reach an even more diverse audience, partnering with international influencers, doing more YouTube, but perhaps we do it in different language captions. (laughs) We'll find different ways to reach that audience in the right way, as we have done here. With Germany specifically, how do you think the that customer is similar or different to the K-Beauty customer in Korea and the K-Beauty customer here in the U.S.? 
I would say um, they're a little bit more closer to the U.S. customers. We're hearing that indie brands are on fire um, in all of Europe, actually. This is beyond Germany. And that there is a huge, huge growing interest and growth, actually, from a business perspective in skincare as a category. So I think the trends are maybe a couple or three years behind um, maybe the U.S. trend where makeup was really, really hot. And now it's skincare sort of replacing that role. And we're seeing the same happening in Europe. So I don't think it's a huge difference in terms of how we would market the launch or the products that we're marketing. I think it's about sort of customizing it to their clients and really speaking to that market specifically. But the product, the sensoriality, the visual aspect of it will all be sort of reused. Um, And I think to Christine's point earlier, whatever we're doing on Instagram, everyone in the world is watching. So we're not going to change the wheel. It's going to be the same type of communication. It's just partnering very closely with the retailer partner in that specific market and honing in in their marketing tools. One additional thing to note is that I think a lot of brands are discovering Glow Recipe skincare. They don't realize that we're a K-beauty inspired or a K-beauty brand in that sense. They just discover us as a fun skincare brand that they see on social or they've heard about us through Sephora. And because of that approach, I think the brand has really grown to a place where it's reaching this very diverse customer base. And so K-beauty for us is definitely part of the approach and that once again, that holistic approach to skincare, enjoying your skincare, enjoying the sensoriality of it, all of that. But I think we've kind of expanded past being defined by being, say, boxed in by the definition of a K-beauty brand. That's really interesting. I mean, I thought a lot of brands right now are either, you know, doubling down on their original message or having to re-emphasize who they are and what they are in this kind of crowded market. How do you guys think that expanding that purview or that point of view helps you reach more customers? So I think we're always powered by how amazing K-beauty technologies are. So that's never going to go away from our core philosophy because that's how Glow Recipe was founded. That was our initial mission. We wanted to bring the latest and the best skincare technologies to the world. So the messaging would be Glow Recipe, you know, your recipe for glowing skin because that will be what we're providing. But by the way, these are all inspired by K-beauty. So that's never going away. I think that we do want to speak to the global audience in a more approachable general way versus a niche angle. We'll always have that heritage, but we'll speak to a broader term in terms of providing, again, the glowing results with the best technologies. Sarah, Christine, let's go back to influencers a little bit. Um, You guys, when you launched your avocado melt sleeping mask in December, um, you did a really large influencer activation, which you guys had not really done to that level before. And um, you also did not pay them. What was that about for you guys? Um, You already had a very loyal audience on Instagram and on social, but really tapping them to work with you and work for you. So with the Avocado Melt Sleeping Mask, it was a sister product to the watermelon. And whereas watermelon is this refreshing pink gel-like texture that gives instant radiance to the skin, we wanted to really draw out the attributes of what make what made Avocado Melt Sleeping Mask, mask special. So it was a formula we had created because our customers were asking for this more nourishing, comforting formula for very dehydrated skin. So the texture of the product was a little bit more comforting. It, we called it an avocado for the face. So we wanted to bring those types of attributes to the influencer activation that we did. And actually, 
our amazing PR director, Stevie, is in the room. And part of his brainchild was to take over a mattress store in L.A. And we created this green mattress store with lighting and sheets and avocado cushions and everyone came in pajamas and just lounged around applied the mask had lots of fun hugged avocado plushies <laughs> and literally avocadoed with us for a very long time that night and truly i think experienced the product in all all five senses what do you think the experiential piece lended to the product being so successful. I mean, it's also one of your best-selling products right now. And people were able to engage in a real-life way and see that all play out on social media. I think that night um, we heard the most from, I think, most of the influencers that came saying this was so unexpected and this is who you are. You know, Glow Recipe comes out with the most surprising, unexpected event or activation that in a way, they kind of expect some sort of surprise to happen. So they were just all really excited to come because I don't think we said, this is a mattress store and the invitation. We just kind of gave this address and said, dress in fashionable PJs. And that's how it happened. And again, that was all Stevie's idea, which is amazing. And we were so excited to hear that because there are so many activations in the market. So many beauty brands are having events and parties every other day. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of these influencers are going to multiple events a day and sometimes a little tired of them. So you do want to cut through the clutter once again and just make them smile when they come in and experience it with us. Another factor is to build a relationship with them. Um, that's really important for us. Um, to your point, you know, we didn't have to pay any of them to, to be able to come to our event. It's because we really genuinely are building very close relationships with each and every influencer that comes. How do you guys balance bringing newness to the market, whether it's through product. I know that you have eight um, items in your collection now. I know more are coming in 2019, yeah. um, which we don't know about yet. Um, <laughs> but also um, these experiences and these activations, how are you deciding when is too much or when is not enough? I really don't think there's a recipe, no pun intended, to what's right and what's not. We, I think the goal, the major advantage of being a nimble startup environment is that we're able to test things very quickly and if it's not the right fit we pivot and we try to find something else but luckily a lot of the activations we've done have been really amazing one of our first was actually um, renting with the launch of watermelon glow pink juice moisturizer that was january last year we rented a house um, in beverly hills in la and created this whole experience where everything was pink and pink lighting and lots of watermelon experiences from down to the candle that was lit. It was a watermelon scented candle so that everyone really walked into this immersive experience. We've had an activation out in the Hamptons um, to launch our this translucent jelly sheet mask product. Um, and then recently for a brand we launched, which was Sweet Chef, we just had a very intimate cooking class with a smaller group of influencers, which was amazing too, because we got to spend one-on-one -on -one time with um, a smaller group of people, but in a much more intimate setting. So I think each one of our activations has been successful in their own unique way. It just really depends on what the launch is, what the product is, and what the mix of people are. What about in terms of product itself? You know, and a lot of the products that you have launched so far have been very ingredient focused in watermelon, avocado, anything there to tease out for 2019? 
So there's going to be some excitement around our existing fruit, which is watermelon. So stay tuned for that. And we're introducing a whole completely new fruit, which will be a surprise to the world. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You can't give it all, you can't give it all away. Um, in terms of what you guys see as the growth for Glow Recipe, are you seeing it more from your own site? Are you seeing it through retailers? What can you share in terms of what you're seeing? So it's a balanced mix. I think the explosive growth of Glow Recipe skincare has really kind of, it's really taken off. Um, and we plan to continue to put a lot of resources behind our namesake brand. But at the same time, our site continues to be that kind of beating heart in that sense that we started off with our site. It was the first kind of core of our business. It's always going to be a hub for content and education, which continues to be a mission of ours. So growing both is equally important to us. And what about retail partnerships? So that's, I mean, that's hand in hand with the flywheel structure that I mentioned earlier, where we grow together. And I think that's really important because we're getting a lot of traffic from the Sephora customers who are discovering Glow Recipe at the stores or Sephora.com and then wanting to learn more about Glow Recipe as a company and a brand. And then they would come to our site and learn more about the KBD routines and other innovations that we introduce. So we want to grow together because we'll support each each channel yeah. um, and fuel each one. So you really see it as kind of like this omni-channel exactly. strategy. Yeah. What do you guys think is happening from, you know, you were ahead of the curve in terms of wellness and, and natural products and melding that with K-Beauty. We're seeing both of those continue to rise in the market, but at what at what point does one end and when the other begin, or do you see there's no fine line between the two? I think the two are actually closely linked because mm -hmm. K-Beauty has such a deep heritage in natural. Even when we were young, our mothers would teach us to steep green tea bags into water and splash our faces with it. Or you would take a quart of milk to the bathhouse and splash your face with that because it has lactic acid in it. And it's just always been part of our beauty routines. And a lot of the beautiful natural formulas out in the market are inspired by K-Beauty, whether that's visible naturals or fermentation or some of the organic um, technologies that we see. So I think it's very much hand in hand. At the same time, I think K-Beauty has evolved to a place where once again, it's really about an approach to skincare. It's a lifestyle. It's something you kind of embrace your day to day. It's, it's no longer beholden to just one product, which we really love because that was the whole goal with creating Glow Recipe to disrupt and change this customer skincare experience to be something that's no longer a chore, no longer something you have to get through to get to makeup. It is the fun part of your beauty routine. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Christine. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. If you enjoy the Glossy Beauty Podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. Head to glossy.co slash plus and use the code PRIYA25, P-R-I-Y-A 25, for 25% 25 off an annual subscription. Don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Beauty Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and leave us any feedback you have.